0: My name is Dave Adams. I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals if you can give bigger with your profit.
1: Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six figure earners to become seven figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories we go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Welcome back. And our guest this week is Dave Aarons. We met Dave through a mutual mastermind all about how to make our money matter. And this guy lives and breathes that statement. Dave is the founder of Unbundled Attorney, which helps connect leads to lawyers while also offering cheap legal services to their clients. Dave is a master when it comes to discipline and scaling a business, as well as being a true entrepreneur at heart with his ability to think fast, pivot when he sees opportunity, and is not afraid to put in the work to get there. As you listen to this episode, you will hear the passion come out in Dave as he gets fired up sharing about why adding a given component to any for-profit company should be the new standard and why he believes so much in this philosophy. He also touches on what motivated him to create such success and how that motivation has pivoted throughout the years. Dave also shares a few cool tips on how he is using journaling to help him learn when he needs to pivot inside his business and how he can stay true to himself. Dave is someone who has consulted and inspired Steve and I to continue to build the Go Big to Get Big brand. He is an inspiration with what he is doing with his company and helping people with their mental health. And I can't wait for you to hear this fun episode with Dave Aaron's. All right, we are excited to welcome our good friend Dave Aaron's to the show. Dave, thanks
0: for joining us, man. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Good you guys are putting together this podcast. It's uh, a very, very valuable way to communicate what you guys are all about. So yeah, fun. you've been
1: a you've been a huge inspiration for us. Obviously, we got connected mutually through Cole's Mastermind and the Make Money Matter Mastermind, and uh, just naturally, both of us or all three of us, I wanted to just go make for purpose businesses. It just made sense, and just naturally came, yeah, if you're going to build a business, why not add a giving component to it? And so we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that further in the episode, but I'd love to just hear a little bit about how you started Unbundled Attorney and how you scaled and grew it because you are one of the hardest working people I know and you talk about pounding the phones and making things happen. So would love to just hear a bit of the startup and how you created it and where the idea came from.
0: Yeah, sure, boys. Um, so I think one of the unique things about Unbundled Attorney is number one, that I'm not an attorney and... I think that actually helped in the sense that for the first seven, eight years of my involvement in the legal industry, I was focusing on interfacing and communicating with clients that were trying to obtain affordable legal services, primarily people seeking help with family law matters like divorce, custody, and these types of things. And we used to work for a company that offered like a discounted legal plan membership. People know it as a legal shield. And then we actually started our own legal plan company for a while there. And that company still exists actually. And uh, but it was frustrating in the sense that you know these companies were supposed to provide discounted and affordable legal care, and they did accomplish that in the sense that you know you can pick up the phone and talk to a lawyer in any area of law, and that's a nice resource. I still have that plan, and if I need to talk to a tax lawyer, a business lawyer, and so forth, I can pay twenty bucks a month and have it in the in my back pocket. So it's nice in that regard. But when it came down to parents needing to file something through the courts, parents needing to get real legal help to get things done legally. Uh, a 25% discount was the benefit of the plan. And they'd be working with these big old law firms that were five ten thousand dollars 10000 retainers. So they said, oh yeah, sure. We can help you out with your case. Typically our standard retainer fee is 5000 bucks. So we're going to give you your special discount of 25% off. And so now the retainer fee is 3750 bucks. Would you like to move forward with our services? And of course, that's a nice discount perhaps, but for the average working family, lower middle income family, that extra thousand bucks off wasn't making much of a difference in terms of their ability to afford a lawyer. And we would sign people up for the service and with the hope that they would be able to get the help they're looking for, they'd go talk to the firm, they'd give them a little bit of advice, but then ultimately where they weren't really able to afford to get the legal services they needed. And so it's frustrating. We're like, hey, you know, they got all these folks that really need legal services and uh, this really isn't making the difference for people and people will just call right back and cancel the plan. Disappointed that they weren't able to get the help that they needed. So we started thinking creatively around how can we, you know, if they can't afford the full shebang, so to speak, of full representation, how can we start to deliver them at least some services so they're not in a position where they're entirely on their own? And so we start started creatively working on getting attorneys involved to provide something called unbundled legal services. It wasn't really called that at the time. I mean, actually kind of was, but it wasn't really known that it was back in, Two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and uh, we were just having attorneys giving them advice, drafting documents, and helping clients continue to represent themselves pro se, but having the guidance and document assistance of an attorney. And in a lot of cases of family law, that would make a huge difference for the client. And I mean, helping them get the appropriate forms filed and going through the court process and. Having what they call a written argument, right? All the facts of their case properly presented, and that was actually really important for them to have the judge be able to take into consideration what's going on and actually get an outcome that was favorable for their rights for their kids. Uh, we started having a lot of success with that because instead of it being thirty seven hundred bucks up front or go the heck away, it was like, hey, we can do this for five hundred to seven hundred fifty bucks or so. You can put a hundred dollars down. You can make a couple payments. And uh, that definitely bridges the gap for a lot of folks. And so we started implementing that from so the document assistance program. That plan, it's not with the Legal Shield, it's with a different legal access plan company that uh, we started on our own and started it, uh, delivering that as a, another service option to the clients. So that company still exists today and is providing the document services as well as the representation at a discounted rate. And then we kind of evolved things from there where people were signing up for the membership, you know, paying for the legal plan itself. And then they were paying for document services. And I remember sitting in my chair uh, in Santa Barbara, kind of looking out the windows, having to be on the phone, talking to these clients every single day and uh, looking at my golf clubs at the door (laughs) and uh, really deciding like, Hey man, I need to make a lifestyle change here. And uh, as long as I'm on the phone, seven to seven, Monday through Friday, sometimes working Saturdays to sign up the clients, get them started with the legal plan. If we didn't have an attorney, I'd have to hustle up and find an attorney in their state or in their local region to knock out the paperwork for them. And, you know, we were working our tails off, but it was difficult because we were the fulfillment. We were trying to fulfill for these, all these yeah. clients. And uh, if we can explain this to clients and help them understand what a bundle services is, maybe the lawyers could do this too. You know, if we just started educating attorneys about, well, what is it that we're doing to make sure to, enable these clients to receive affordable services and get the help they're actually looking for. And we can educate the attorneys about how to do that. Maybe we can just direct the client straight to the attorney. And so that's what we set out to do in early 2013. Did that for a couple of years under a different company name, which was called Family Legal Help at the time. And that eventually became Unbundled Attorney. We uh, had a business partner come on board that built out all the technology and the platform and the app and a lot of the systems that are in place today. And so now we uh, educate the clients about unbundled services and what they typically cost and and uh, and then we connect them with attorneys uh, all throughout the country that provide these affordable unbundled services. And then we also offer the attorneys do what's called pay as you go now, which is like full representation, but instead of paying a large retainer fee up front of three to five thousand bucks, clients will pay like five hundred thousand, fifteen hundred dollars down, and then maybe one hundred twenty five bucks a week, and then just pay for the representation as they go. And again, that bridges the gap for a lot of folks that don't necessarily have thousands of dollars laying around. To, you know, pursue their cases. And and of course, since then, we've launched into six or seven different practice areas and continue to expand. So it's been it's been quite the journey. That's so cool. I love hearing that story.
1: of just like the evolutions of how it came. And I, I really admire your ability to be an entrepreneur, right? Like you think in a way of like, how can I solve a problem? I see a problem, I solve it. I see a problem, I solve it. And you keep moving through. And I would love to just hear a little bit of the early days when you were pounding the phones. I know you talk a lot about how much time you actually put into making things happen and where it went. What was the motivation to keep grinding it out and keep putting in those hours? Was it just purely like paychecks? Was it actually like helping the people? Was it the excitement of building the business? What made you want to pound the phones for that long, for that many years to just try and get this thing off the
0: ground? Well, I mean, you know, back in the prepaid legal days, Legal Shield, like they taught about this concept of residual income and this idea of having a passive residual. And and I was at, at the time, up until very recently, I was very passionate about competitive golf. And But I realized if I'm going to be on the phones every single day, Monday through Saturday, it's not going to leave a whole lot of time to to play this game that I love and also to travel, which is a secondary passion of mine. So the original goal of beginning a venture like this later on in 2012, 2013, was to have freedom, financial and independence, location freedom, and the ability to set your own schedule and, and make money online. And so that was the original thrust was like, hey, you know, how can we sell enough leads where we don't have to necessarily be the ones on the phones to make the same amount of money I'm making full time on my job? Jim Rohn talked about that back in the days that, you know, you work full time on your job, you start working part time on your fortune. And uh, you kind of get a little side income going and you get a little passive residual and so forth. And at the time, I read a really good book by Tim Ferriss, which everybody knows now is Four Hour Work Week. And he was like, look, man, you don't have to make a million dollars to start traveling the world and living well because of location arbitrage. You can, he was making like three, four thousand bucks a month and living in a penthouse in Argentina. And it's wow, you know, like three, four thousand dollars a month. That's really all you need to become location independent and, and live anywhere in the world. That's pretty exciting. That was the original goal was like, I was making four or five thousand dollars a month pounding the phones for the legal plan. And so to start the venture, I was like, well, if I could sell enough leads automatically because it was. People would come on the site, they put in their request, and then we'd match them with an attorney, and then we could do an automated processing every couple of weeks with the attorney's card. And once we got attorneys involved, it was a little bit less uh less heavy lifting, so to speak. It was a little bit more passive. Okay. And so I dropped the hay bomb for you guys. That was for you. Was there a subscription element in the business then? Well, originally it was the people, the clients were paying for a legal plan membership. Right. So they'd sign up and pay for the legal plan. And then they pay separately the attorney at a discount, right? So the client was paying twice. And so we kind of evolved that to the point where now clients don't have to pay anything. It's a free service. So they come on the platform, they tell us what they need help with, and we connect them up with a lawyer. And the lawyer pays a, a fixed fee for each client that we connect to their office. Okay? So we kind of Super cool. switch the monetization model so that the attorneys are the ones that are making the money from the clients. And so then they pay a fixed fee for each client we connect to their office, say. Okay? Gotcha. Uh, and so just changed the way the financials worked out. And that was the original thrust was... I just want to get enough clients tested to attorneys that I can make three, 000, four thousand bucks a month. And so that was phase one. And we accomplished that. And I accomplished that with some help from a Brady in four or five months. And it was wow. like, okay, cool. Four thousand, five thousand bucks a month coming in residually and made a, a, a you know, kind transition from what I was doing full time with my job to working full time with the entrepreneurship. And then pretty soon after there, like started traveling and living it up with that location dependence. So that was really fun. That was phase one. But the secondary phase is well after we were making a certain amount of money. You know, you'd say ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars a month, and it's residual. We've traveled the world and so forth. You realize pretty quickly after a year or two of that that you can only sit on a beach thinking my ties for more days than you can. until you're just like, okay, man, I do need to do something meaningful in the world. We have all these gifts, we have all these talents. And also, what we were finding is a lot of people were getting legal help through our attorneys. A lot of attorneys were getting store like great livelihoods and generating additional income for their families and growing firms. And we could just see at the time though, this was making a really great impact on the people we were serving. And if we really doubled down on what we're doing and took it to the next level, then we could significantly shift the way legal services are delivered in this country. We just saw an opportunity to do something that goes well beyond ourselves, right? Well, beyond our individually as a team, individually as a network of lawyers, and certainly for all the clients involved, it could be really be a systematic shift. I changed course in 2017, where I was like, Hey, you the know, money's there, location is fun, but there's something more meaningful in the world that we can do here. So let's be about that. And so that kind of shifted gears. We really doubled down on the mission of what we're trying to accomplish, which is transforming the affordability and accessibility of legal services across North America and maybe someday in the world and really invested, reinvested into building out all the systems and technology and. It's needed to be able to really deliver on that at that scale. That's become, that's the motivating driving force at this point now. We've got, you know, the money comes, but then, you know, in the really long term, it's about how can we really impact people's lives in a positive way and have everyone benefit in the, uh, along that path. And we have all these skills and talents and might as well be applying it towards something that's going to make a significant difference in people's lives, you know?
2: Dude, I love the mission and congratulations and all the success so far. It's been incredible to watch your journey and to be a part of that in in some ways. And I've heard you mention a couple times, just in you know, getting to know each other, but even on this podcast, that you've had to pivot a, a few different times through your business. You learned different lessons. And you're like, ah, maybe there's a road, you know dead end, or maybe there's a different opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. How do you go about weighing that decision of you got a fork in the road? And you can't quite tell, you know, you're familiar with one route, but the other route might be a total new zone for you. How do you go about making that decision of like, yeah, you know what, right now is the right time to pivot or no, right now is for the right time. Just be like, I just need to continue grinding because I know two months, six months, 12 months down the road, it's
0: going to pay off. Well, Ever since 2007, I've been through the influence of Jim Rohn, which is those of you as a, is an amazing business philosopher and teacher and mm-hmm. had a very big impact in my life. And he inspired me to start journaling in 2007. So this yeah. is my, one of my Moleskine journals. I've got about 25 of these filled up ever since 2007. Mm-hmm. And so anytime that I'm sitting with a challenge or thinking about the direction or, and I'm always reflecting on the day. And one of the other benefits that I think a lot of people don't think about perhaps when they start journaling is, you know, I can go back and I can read journals from 2007, 2008, 2009 the day I met my partners in my life. And you can also see patterns of the way you think, patterns of the, uh, when things change in your life. And uh, and so you could just see, I could just see at the time that like something needed to shift, something needed to move forward. And I would just sit down and journal it out but and just think through what needed to be done. And at the time reading that book, Tim Ferriss and For Our Work Week and Inspiration there, and also those kind of pivotal moments where um, you, can, you can remember it like you're just sitting in my chair at my desk had all these big windows in my house. It was living in Santa Barbara at the time. It was a beautiful sunny day. And I had all the windows open and it's super nice. And like I'm talking to this client and she's going on and on about what's happening in her state. And I just kind of have that moment. I was like, am I going to be doing this in 10 years? You know, I going to do this in 20 years? And I see my club at the door and it's like, mm-hmm. you kind of have these moments where you go, is this really what I'm here to do? Am I going to keep doing this years from now? And that kind of set things in motion. So, you know, it's kind of a series of events. Sometimes you meet the right person. I also read a very important book at the time, which is called The Answer by John Asserath. Anyone who hasn't checked out that book, it is a powerful read. And so I was doing some things that he had taught in that book, writing out my goals and reviewing them every day, writing out affirmations, putting them in my shower and like reading affirmations every morning when I jump in the shower. And And I think that starts to plant seeds in the subconscious of like new directions and the things that you're looking to create. And then all of a sudden, your mind starts seeing new opportunities, and new things come in the door. And so, I think part of what we have to do is imprint, tell what it is, tell what we what it is we're seeking to create to our subconscious. Yeah. And then it starts to do the work, right? It starts to look, kind of filter the world. He calls it like I think it's the psycho psychotherapeutic mechanism, and then there's also the a reticular activating system. I always get them mixed up, but one is like it changes what you filter in the world. Like in any moment, you could be. I could be listening to the echo off this wall or I could be thinking about my family or I could be thinking about what it feels like to be in my shoes right now. I'm like feet feel, right? But the mind's always filtering these things out. But as you move about the world, if you set forth a direction and you say, this is what I'm looking to create financially, this is the house I'm trying to create, this is the relationship I'm trying to move forward with, or this is the kind of enterprise I want to move here, you'll be moving about in the world and you'll just hear over here someone say, oh, you know, something about Portugal. Oh, this person is creating this opportunity or doing this thing that's related to something you've set forth, right? And your mind just starts to filter recording. To what it is that you've set forth as its objective, right? Of what it is you're trying to create. So just being intentional and, and writing this stuff down, imprinting it on a regular basis, probably starts to get the ball rolling in ways that are more, you know, unmeasurable than we assume. And so I think that was also happening at that time as well, as I was really doing a lot of that work. And I keep circling back whenever there needs to be a shift and, and you know, speak it to the subconscious mind, the, the the shift that needs to happen. And then things start happening from there. So absolutely become a catalyst for sure. I absolutely love that.
1: And I want to see how this conversation goes a little bit. And then we're going to jump into some of the giving stuff because we really want to get to that with you. I know it's a big passion of yours, but the last thing I want to ask you is just how you've talked about Jim Rohn a few times now. And I know through our conversations, it's anytime I talk to you, there's a Jim Rohn quote, or you're sending me new audibles, or you're sending me new clips saying, you got to listen to this. So like, How impactful does Jim Rohn in your life? And how can someone that's listening to this be like create what you've created with Jim Rome, where you just went all in on somebody and just followed their philosophy and their lifestyle? I mean,
0: Jim was just, you know, I, I think from network marketing, I had like that brief stint with Legal Shield. I got introduced to personal development. It was like Robert Kiyosaki, it was Jeff Olson, with Slide Edge. It was Brian Tracy, Dennis Waitley, Jim Rome, like these old, like these OG yeah. teachers of the way of the business force, and like. Robert Kiyosaki opened up like, oh, wow, like I don't have to go to school, get good grades, get this job and work for 30 years. Like you can be, you don't have to be an employee. You can actually build a business and actually cultivate freedom. And that was a completely different way of thinking. I've never even been exposed to the opportunity of being an entrepreneur or being an investor and being able to leverage a business system and create residual and leverage income, leverage other people's efforts and, or leverage money so that you can have freedom. And that was a really powerful and and influential entrance is to start reading those books and be introduced to it through network marketing. And I think a lot of people get their start in network marketing, surprisingly. Uh, I don't think everyone gets their finish in network marketing because it's a it's a very difficult business. Then you're probably going to maybe overly prospect a few of your friends, maybe a little (laughs) bit too much in that regard. And we've all done that to some degree for those that have been in network marketing. But yeah, I mean, personal development is has paid a, a super profound impact on my life. These are Amazing entrepreneurs that teach these philosophies like radical responsibility for things to change, Im- implementing goal setting, implementing, uh, you know, what's his name from Prime America? John, John Addison always talked about being like someone that where the well, audience it's not the blowing of the wind, but the tennis That's Jim Rohn, right? But someone where you determine your direction from inside and that creates the reality from the inside as opposed to being, having the external world impact you. And so if you're not getting the results that you want to get in your life, that has to do with the way you are thinking. It has to do with your philosophy. It has to do with the way you're approaching things. And you need to change what's going on inside and the way you're thinking and the way that you're mm, creating or manifesting in the world, not blame whatever's happening or the Democrats or the Republicans or the tax system or you know all that kind of stuff. And- Extreme accountability. Yeah, starting to shift. And in some ways, it's empowering because it gives you your power, right? If you take full responsibility for the results and everything you're experiencing in your life, then you have the capacity to shift it, right? If you say it's because of this person or that person, well, you can't do anything about that because they're the ones that are a cause of whatever's happening in your life. You know, I, you know, I can't imagine living any differently now, but those ideas, those original ideas taught me through those mentors certainly put things on a completely different path early on and, and I've saved the course ever since for sure.
2: Hell yeah, man. And amen to that. Dave, you, of everybody I've ever met, everybody I know, you have the highest amount of passion and conviction for purpose businesses. Except for Randy. Randy Except for me, right? Randy. Randy. I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just get real, <laughs> r- real gnarly. Yeah. You <laughs> put the three of us and a couple others in a room and we probably yeah, just right? together talking about this and changing the world every day. That's right. Fast forward. Every business incorporates For Purpose to some level.
0: What's the end game look like to you? Personally, I think that For Purpose Company and the structure of For Purpose, For Benefit, there's already some infrastructure for benefit, has the opportunity to make significant impacts on the major social problems that impact, that affect us in our modern world. I think we in some ways we rely on nonprofits to try to do good in the world and support charities and so forth. But there's a lot of power behind the for-profit enterprise, right? Everyone is motivated to accomplish their goals, accomplish their goals financially. Personally, you want to achieve, you want to live the life you've ever wanted to live. You want to have the things you've ever wanted to have. So there's a lot of power in for-profit, right? Enterprise of capitalism and so forth. And so like when you can align the powers of for-profit and building a business and bringing people together, hey, let's create a great product, create a great service, and let's crush it and bring this to the world. And at the same time, in direct correlation, directly related, as you achieve that in the for-profit sector, you also scale the giving of your business. You guys, I'm sure, have talked about the model of for-purpose where you have a giving component built in the business model from day one. And this goes back to old adages that Jim Rohn talked about, where it's like, what do you do with the dollar? Well, you first start by giving away 10 cents, right? Or 5 cents. And then you do passive and you do active. So you never spend more than 70 cents. But when you begin businesses with, giving components built in from the beginning, that it's threaded in so that as you scale up, so does your giving as well. And the original seeds of the enterprise you create can paper themselves through everything you accomplish from that point forward. And to me, I think if we want to make an impact on solving world hunger or shifting homelessness in this world or mental health conditions or changing the way legal services are delivered or whatever it might be, it seems to me that one of the most powerful ways to do that is build an enterprise, a really powerful, highly scaled uh, financial vehicle that also is going to attract and bring a tremendous amount of revenue and, and resources to shifting whatever is the underlying reason of that social problem exists. And usually it's resources, finances, and infrastructure that needs to be put into place to to serve those that are underserved, right? And so I think what we have the possibility of creating is a new era of entrepreneurship, uh, where you have entrepreneurs that have a genuine desire to want to do something meaningful in the world that's very personal to them. You know, a lot of people have experiences in their life that are painful, that can be traumatic, whether whatever their upbringing is, and in some ways that can be the greatest gift. Eric Thomas uh, talked about this at Thrive, right? Some of the experiences he had as a child and growing up were the fuel, the passion and the empathy and gave him empathy to be able to make a positive impact in those specific things. He knew what it was like for these kids to grow up the way they did. And with the abusive homes that they did, because he understood, he was from that. Right. And so sometimes the most painful things that we have that happen to us become the very things that enable us to be able to understand and then have the empathy and motivation to want to shift it. And Mm -hmm. so for purpose businesses give us the vehicle, to build companies that can then impact the things that we feel need to be shifted most in the world and that are most deeply personal to us. That's like, you that's can like build what, an enterprise. Go
1: ahead. What Naveen Jain taught us a little bit where he was like, Hey, if you want to go change the way education is done, you can't go through the political space to go change education. You need to create a whole new platform. If you want to change the way that we receive medicine and modern uh, pharmaceutical stuff you can't just go partner with big pharma you have to literally create your own identity and your own business that is going to challenge the way that government does things like you literally have to create whole new entities and it's entrepreneurs that think that way not people that are have schooling and doctorates and stuff they only know the system entrepreneurs mm-hmm. know it completely differently and are able to completely change the way that we look at things like that mm-hmm.
0: absolutely Right. It's a powerful vehicle. And these are the greatest minds in the world that, but you know, it's difficult to ask them what's the greatest mind in the world. Okay. Get paid this much less amount of money and ask and try to get people to give money to your organization and your charity to then do the difference that you want. It's extremely challenging if when you have to rely on other people's charity to do what it is you want to do. Right. It's just, it's a limiting factor. Whereas if you can take those great minds that also have a desire to build a successful life and achieve what they want to achieve individually. And you can build a product or a service that delivers value in the marketplace to the degree that also can generate profits and generate revenues and generate scale. And at the same time, you have a vehicle inside that that then is going to gift to those to those causes. Uh, that's better harnessing of those capacities of those strong minds. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just more aligned. It's aligned. Like everyone has interest to, you know, to want to crush, you want to make money, you want to just live a great life. And they also have a desire to do good. I think every single person that starts a business would also like to be doing something meaningful in the world, would also yeah. like to know when they wake up in the morning, this is making a difference to other people's lives. We all do. But there a, that was a kind of a light bulb moment when I heard the first podcast, I think it was, and Cole was on there. we starting the thing and it's got this thing called a for benefit and we can build businesses, but also make a great impact as we grow them. I'm like, wow, what an amazing idea. Yeah. What a way to harness that natural desire in all of us to want to do good in the world but also harness the desire to, to make bank and do great, right? Those yeah. things can be, they're not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're very much aligned when you implement a for-benefit or a for-purpose company. And so that's, I think, what's, what's most exciting about it, right? Is it uh, accomplishes all these things at once, which is very powerful.
2: I want to follow that up too. And I think all three of us in this room here and many people listening to the podcast can agree that I think we believe that entrepreneurs are going to be the people who who change the world, who are able to solve hunger or provide enough middle. Uh, health support, that we eradicate homelessness or drastically reduce suicide rates in men, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why do you think that hasn't been done
0: already? I mean, you look around and it's, I don't know, there's like a lack of education, lack of awareness. Thrive started five years ago or six years ago. I'd never heard of this. Have you guys ever heard of this before you were introduced to Thrive? No. I don't know. It's not in really in business school. So I, in some ways, and it's not new, but it's just not talked about, not yeah. shared about. And I think you also have a generational shift. I think most people our age and younger and, hey, man, like I, I don't really necessarily want to sit in a cubicle and just pound the pavement for 30 years and work for C Corp. I really want to do something meaningful. It's just, and there, that's just change in our culture as well. And so there's a thirst for wanting to do something important and meaningful in the world. That's, I think that's shifted culturally as well. But there's just not a lot of education and awareness about this stuff. And so I think that's what's exciting about it is part of it is just letting people know, hey, there's another way. There's another way to build an enterprise where you can accomplish everything you want to accomplish personally and also do something really substantial in the world that's going to help a lot of people. And uh these things are, you know, to work hand in hand. So I think that's one of what's wonderful about what you guys are doing with your podcast and what Thrive did with Thrive and all these other organizations that are starting to promote these ideas and, the guys behind B Corp and uh, is that there, you know, and also I really respect, for example, Yvonne Schonard from uh, Patagonia, who was one of, I think he was the founder of 1% for the planet, at least the organization was. There's like thousands of companies in that organization now. So it's not unknown that you can build enterprises that do meaningful things in the world, but it's still just a grassroots thing that's talked about a whole lot, right? And I think that's one of the greatest opportunities of our modern generation is to really embrace this possibility because uh, for proper for-purpose enterprises can, you know, when applied appropriately, could really make a significant shift to some of the major social problems problems that affect our society.
2: And not only those problems too, but also deliver in a, a super high level amount of fulfillment in our own personal individual lives, which I think is that's just right. as important so that we can show up to be our best selves. That's a perfect, yeah, for, that's a perfect segue for my next question, because my next
1: question for you, Dave, is just, so you grinded, you hustled, you built a business, you got the passive life, you did everything. That was pretty motivating. You got to where you wanted to get. Now you've added this for purpose component to your business, and now you're continuing to push the boundaries and scale further and bigger and faster. Like, how did adding a given component to your business re really spark your excitement, change your drive and motivation, and change the way that you look at how you're building your business in general? Like, how did adding that into your business change for you?
0: Well, first of all, you enjoy it a lot more. You feel good about what you're doing, and therefore you don't feel like it's like oh you know another day at the office but you wake up going hey man we can do something really great here and you hear the stories of how it's helping people and that's motivating it's a driving force it's like if you have skills and talents why not apply them in a way where you can do great financially and also do something really positive for other people it's just as easy to do something really good and beneficial as it is to I don't know. Just do something that makes money, whatever. And it's a driving force. Like you just feel good about it every day in the way that you're, what it is you're doing. I think it unifies our whole team. The fact that we're mission driven. Uh, I think when we start to talk to you about what is we're doing with other potential partners and joint ventures and at the industry and everyone that's involved, they're like, "Wow, these guys are really doing this for the right reason." Like our core company culture is, you know, the people that pay for our leads are the lawyers, right? They, they're the ones that generate the money. But our actual commitment is clients first, then the attorney, and they're the ones that pay us, but clients first, then the attorney, then the company, right? Yeah. Because we're really trying to lead with the mission. And that completely shifts every decision that you make from that point forward. And it's a guiding force to remember what is it we're doing? What's the priority here? Is this going to further our ability to make legal services more affordable and accessible for everyone? And so it's also a true north, right? If people are not aligning with that or they don't, it's uh it's very easy to figure that out they go hey you know this isn't necessarily a good fit like attorneys that work with us or you know people that come on board with the team and so forth and um and so it's very clarifying it cuts through and makes it very clear about the different things you want to be involved with and which when you don't and different, the people morals that... and
1: ethics of people that you're working with and stuff yeah, you, know, yeah. you you attract the right people and we saw that in thrive with the right people who are attracted there you can be basically friends with anybody in that group, and. Everyone was just such great humans. I want to jump in quickly to, to uh, hear just a little bit like, so what are you doing
0: in your company now for your for-purpose stuff? And then I'll let Steve take it out from there. Yep. Yeah, so our model is 5% net profit. There's a lot of different models out there. But we do 1% of revenue. People do like when they sell a product, they give away a product. Some people hire only certain kinds of people, like people from uh, ex-military or whoever it might be. Uh, that's our model is we take 5% of our net profits, put them aside, and then deploy them the most recent deployment of our for benefit, for purpose fund is that, well, to give a little context here, people dealing with legal challenges are going through oftentimes uh crises, things that are affecting their family, infecting their children, divorces is the separation of the of two parents and breaking up a family. You've got people going through immigration challenges or bankruptcy or get charged criminally because of a UI whatever it might be. Like these are major life events. And the effect of those is can be traumatic for the family. It can be traumatic. You know, I come from a, a separated parent, family, broken family, as you would call it. And so I can certainly empathize with the kids that are going through that and the effect of that. And certainly uh, any parents that are going through that kind of situation, that's certainly at the core of why it is that I started doing this in the first place, because I can certainly empathize with what they're going through. And so, you know, the legal is, anytime you're going down a legal path, it's not necessarily it's really because you're you know, there's something positive happening in your life, unless you're building a business or you're, you know, starting something new and so forth. There's all good. But a lot of the things that we deal with are the things that are not necessarily positive things in our life. So these things have an effect uh, on people emotionally and mentally. And as well as the service professionals, the attorneys that are resourcing our clients, these clients through this process, these life events also are helping these people through these unique challenges. And they call it the attorneys are called the attorney and counselor of law. And anyone that knows attorneys or anyone who has practiced any kind of family law or immigration and so forth knows how much that role of counselor of law really comes into play. And it's not easy. It's not easy to help people through these life events. It's not easy for these people going through it. And so there's a mental health component of this that might have been at play in terms of why they're divorcing in the first place. Maybe there was substance abuse. Maybe there was mental health conditions, addiction, whatever might be financial challenges these are all mental health issues that might have led to the creation of this kind of separation. And then also the separation itself creates a traumatic wake. And then all the attorneys that are resourcing people through this are being affected by all these things happening too. So we saw something that's happening in the legal industry, which is mental health aspect for all of our attorneys, all of our team trying to be of support to all these folks that are going through all these 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 major challenges. And so We wanted to do something about that, not only from the legal standpoint, but also in terms of uh, resourcing everyone that's involved from a mental health side. So one of the things we've done is we've recently partnered with a company called Ginger. Ginger is an online virtual, like online mental health platform. So people can act using Ginger. They can get access to therapists, mental health coaches, psychiatrists if necessary on video calls and through online chat to be able to be resourced by these mental health professionals anytime they need support and resources. We made the decision to basically gift the Ginger service to our entire network of lawyers as well as our entire team, and so every single member of our network, as they come on board as unbundled attorneys, now gets immediate access to Ginger. So that along the way of building their practice and serving all these clients, if they're running into overwhelm or stress or feeling like they're taking on maybe a little bit too much of the stress of whatever it is the clients are going through or they have maybe so much caseload or as a result of the overwork, maybe aren't, you know, to spend time with their kids. they just need help and someone to turn to someone to talk to, to work through these challenges. We now have ginger available to our entire network of attorneys free of charge for every single one of them. So that, that they have the resources they need. And that also is available for all of our team members too. So that we can all receive the resources and support that we all need to be at our best. And that ultimately is what is going to enable us to really show up with what we're trying to accomplish. Our attorneys better show up for the people they're serving. And then eventually what we'd like to do is be able to deploy the mental health services to the clients as well. Um, And so that's a phase two thing we're really working on with uh, the team at Ginger, as well as uh, with our team to make that a reality where kind of legal services and mental health services could be provided in concert because they're very related and affect each other. I
2: love it, dude. I love the 5%. I love Ginger. I love the entanglement between the legal aspect of things and the mental health. Me personally, you know my story. And I think mental health is a big thing that I I continue to want to lean more into. But transitioning here to I got one question I want to ask you before we give or jump into our giving round. Tell us the story of your favorite moment of giving or maybe not favorite, but like the moment of giving that means the most to you when you think back on it, it still gives you goosebumps.
0: I mean, when we did the webinar with, with Karan Singh. Who's the co-founder and CEO of Ginger. And in fact, before we did that webinar, we released it to the whole network. We had a mastermind retreat for all of our lawyers, which we do every single year. And so we had the whole, you know, huge group of our attorneys, our entire team and the co-founder, CEO of Ginger jumped on a, a webinar and was like, look, and he told his story about how one of his friends attempted suicide. And he had no idea. He had no idea that one of his best friends was going through that. Severe of a mental challenge. And he realized at that point that, you know, this is quiet, lonely. Mental health is like a quiet, lonely thing that no one really talks about. And, you know, it can get to the point where if unaddressed or untreated, they're like, someone could be considering taking their lives without even really everyone else around them knowing. He told the story about how his grandmother used to put ginger in his tea or something as like a preventative thing. So mental health services are preventative in the sense that they don't. Get to the point where you're like, hey, man, I, I'm completely overwhelmed. I can't get to this point. You're administering. And so just you know, having him tell that story and having that land for attorneys, and we ask the group, have you guys ever been dealing with overwhelm? Have you ever been dealing with stress? Have you ever felt it's too much? And hands were shooting up in the room. Alcoholism is extremely high amongst the legal profession, right? Because they're completely overworked. They're helping people through very emotional situations, and they feel it. As a result, they feel the burnout. And I don't think there was a single attorney in the room that wasn't like, yeah, I've experienced the burnout. I've experienced the stress and so forth. But I think we just realized like, wow, man, this is really something that needs to be addressed. This is something that needs to be supported. You can't do legal without recognizing the impact that legal has on everyone that's involved yeah. mentally, right? So it was just amazing. It was just a wild, it was a great moment. It, I really appreciated Ron for, you know, his kind of seeing that the opportunity of you know, the melding of these two organizations that's still at the beginning stages of this evolution. And so we're you know, excited about where it's going to go from here. But I think those moments were, uh, wow, you know, like here's this idea of poor benefit starting to like really be landed and start to actually shift people, right? And see that's that, awesome. how this can really resource folks. And this was just goes from just an idea like, oh yeah, maybe we could do something like that. We can give it away. And then you actually have the opportunity to gift it and provide it and resource it and to see that appreciation, that gratitude, and also just recognizing that like, hey, you know, this is needed, make things a lot more tangible, It seems a lot more real. Because a lot of times we were just putting this money aside, putting this money aside, but to now finally be deploying it and, and getting the feedback from some of the people, some of our team members are using the platform and that kind of stuff, and having that be a positive impact on people's lives, that's what it's all about. So that's been pretty exciting to see that unfurl. That's cool, man. I gotta imagine it's a pretty special feeling
1: when you're able to help that many people with that much support. I couldn't imagine it's gotta be a great feeling. But as we end up our show here, we want to ask you a few quick questions in our giving round. So some rapid fire questions, quick answer. You ready? Rock and roll. Breg
0: on one charity that you like. I, I've been learning a little bit more about Virgin Unite and some of the things that they're. They just have so many collaborative partners doing work that's at a systematic level for the BVIs and kind of infrastructure things that need to be done there. I had a good friend of mine that I met on my most recent travels that was utilizing the most recent technology to ship the way pollution was dealt with and, and all these kind of devices that could change the way waste was handled in the islands, and then coupled with partnerships with people that are bringing in the finances. And there's just a lot of really amazing minds in that organization that are doing, using their talent and knowledge and resources. Including Mr. Branson himself to give back and also solve major social problems to that organization. So it's like impressive. You look at it and you go, wow, you know, like guys are really talented. They're really smart and they're leveraging enormous amount of talent and enormous amount of resources to make some serious impact in the world. And I'm still just learning about it. I'm hoping to have the opportunity to visit Necker at some point soon. In fact, I'll be having a call about that next week. So, um, just to really get to learn more about how they do it, you know, and I think we all have lessons to learn. From looking at the greatest charities in the world and how they bring people together and, and share resources and ideas to, to do something that that's meaningful, so they've been they've been pretty impressive from what I've seen so far.
2: You get two tickets: one is to donate a million dollars to your favorite charity; two is to go physically help that charity for a week. Which ticket do you take?
0: You want to think think a little bit about Warren Buffett because he was like. For the longest time, he really just focused on generating more capital, generating more capital, focused on his, in his strong suit, doing what he does best to make the nest egg bigger so that then he could apply those funds to a greater degree. And I get where he's coming from in that regard. Like I could, I've been to Guatemala. I've done service on the ground. I've been, I've done some hands-on charitable work, but in some ways, like that's not necessarily the best use of my gifts and my talent. gifts and my talents are around building this organization and bringing in more attorneys and helping the clients and motivating and leading our team and setting the vision and doing the things that I do on a day-to-day basis. And I can put it, I can put the resources in the hands of people that it's their greatest gift and talent to engineer the implementation and execution of funds towards the greatest end. And so I think that's a great partnership. You know, we're like yeah. business builders like ourselves that can build the four, four benefit enterprises that generate the capital that then people that really want to be on the ground and are living it every day and day out can then make sure it gets in the right hands and so forth. And so, you know, I think that's one of the greatest opportunities that you have this kind of unification of charity and enterprise, each doing what they do best and one resourcing the other and being resourced by. Um, I think that's a good delineation of the role. Very so I cool. would take the million dollars as well as the time I would then have for that month to then actually take that million to the next level. And I think that's really the whole premise of For Benefit and Full Purpose is that you can stay in your lane and build your company and then take that capital and then resource the charities that are going to do the on-the-ground work to be able to serve the people that are needed to be served by whatever you're trying to shift. So, Amen, mean Great answer. Who inspires you with their giving? I mean, I think early examples was like Tom's shoes and just like getting the idea about oh wow that's an interesting model right they like, can do that hearing his story of the fact that he went there and was like wow oh, these people are barefoot and just i don't know he had that real personal experience on the ground guy from pencils of promise adam i remember his last name right now and just being on the ground meeting those kids and being like they don't have any education of, why don't we build a school you know and they just started building schools and then he let me go get capital for schools I like Cole Hatter's story, right? Because yeah. Cole Hatter was like rock bottom, right? He just gone through like the real estate crisis, like blocked a lot of his money. And he was like, man, and he just went down to Mexico and started volunteering at that orphanage. And he's like, man, you know, wow, look at how much, and was really moved by the work that he was doing. And he's like, man, I got to go back to the United States and make as much money as I can so that I can then funnel this money into this orphanage and these meaningful causes so that I can level up what it, we're doing here. And man, like, if you have that as the seed intention, the root desire of what it is that you're doing is I want to ger- make a build a great business so I can generate a lot of capital through my for-profit, through my for-purpose business to then impact the world in these ways. That is a very different intention that will be a motivating and driving. Then if you're like, man, I just want to get the nicest Lamborghini,
2: you know, <laughs> like,
0: and I want to get a new Lamborghini every two years and I'm going to drive the crap out of that. And that is just very different seeds of intention they are going, therefore going to create different decisions and actions in terms of what is you're going to build and why. I just really respect people that uh, want to do that kind of good in the world and are doing it for those reasons specifically. These are all individuals that I think started their enterprises for those reasons. And I think it's for those reasons that they've had the success that they have thus far. A
2: couple more real quick ones. Uh, Do you think that every entrepreneur should include a for-purpose element as a line item in their business from day one, or wait until they've seen a little bit of success and some money in the bank maybe.
0: No, you guys really answered my question on that one. And <laughs> the uh, beginning, yeah, maybe. I... <laughs> Start with the dollar, man. Start with the dollar. He, he, he goes, he teaches kids what to do with the dollar, right? And he goes, well, of course, you never spend more than 70 cents. 10% goes to passive, 10% goes to active investments, and 10% goes to tithing, to gifting, right? And then he says, because you got to get, you got to get started early. You'll start early with the dollar because you, you give a 10 cents from a dollar then you give a thousand dollar or to me, $10,000 from a hundred thousand. Then you give a hundred thousand dollars for a million. And that habit starts early of giving. Cause if you ask entrepreneurs, say, well, you know, if I start making a you know, million dollars, I give away a hundred thousand of it. And Jim Rowe would be like, I'm not so sure, bro. <laughs> not so sure you'd be doing that, right? You got to start early. Right. Yeah. And With the muscle feed that from the beginning, right? And so whether you have 10 clients or you're doing a thousand dollars a month in revenue or a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue or $10 million a month in revenue, that, that's the time to start. And if you have zero dollars in revenue, think about how it is that the business that you want to start could also have the giving component because that's going to inform and thread into everything that you do. The kinds of people that are going to be attracted to working with you. The types of vendors and relationships you're going to forge because they're about what it is that is you're trying to accomplish in your enterprise. And if it's not just about money, it's about doing something meaningful in the world. You're going to attract people that are really stoked about that too. And it's going to change the fabric of everything you do from that point forward. You know, the best time to start doing building a four uh, for, for implementing for purpose is wherever you're at right now.
1: Very cool, man. In a few short sentences, what do you think of when you hear "go big
0: to give big"? Right. Build a great organization that has the purpose behind it to do something meaningful in the world built into it. Right it's, yeah. it's not. Don't go big to be big. <laughs> don't go big to buy some Lamborghinis. Don't go big just to be big yourself. <laughs> go big because you want to do something big. If you want to get Brother. big, bro. Simple and easy. To get big, and, yeah. and that's usually how you're going to get big the faster. Yeah. Is if you really care actually genuinely about giving big. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a powerful phrase. I think it's a powerful uh, intention and, you know, appreciate the fact that you guys are educating entrepreneurs about having that as their seed or what mm-hmm. is they're doing. Cause that uh, that bears a lot of fruit long-term for show.
2: In one single word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Fulfillment. Hmm. Ooh, Fulfillment. Nice.
1: Great choice. The final question we got for you, Dave, the age old question that I'm sure you've heard a thousand times. And I know you're going to have a good answer for us. Do you believe that money can
0: buy you happiness? I think that money has the capacity to deliver. To shift things for people in a meaningful way that can eliminate Unnecessary suffering. And so for that reason, it's a, uh, it, it is a vehicle. It is a catalyst for eliminating suffering and in- inequities in our world. Yeah. And, you know, on the whole, will that create more happiness? I think so. I mean, certainly if you're suffering because for any myriad of different reasons, you don't have the same opportunities that everybody else does. It's going to limit your potential. It's going to limit the opportunities for you to do what you're here to do in this world. And so if we can align our financial forces to, to releasing people to be at their best, I think that's going to create a lot more positive impacts in the world and, you know, hopefully some joy and happiness as well. Beautiful answer,
1: dude. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, you know, it's a go big to get big podcast. I'll give you a few seconds to brag on yourself. Where can people connect with you? How can they find out about what you're doing or just be more inspired by what you're doing?
0: Uh, I don't really. Um, <laughs> I've had problems before. I don't really. You guys know I don't use social media. So I think the only way you can really connect with me is on LinkedIn. Cool. Because um, you can just like message me and be like, hey, you know, I want to talk to you because of this and that. So Dave Aaron's on LinkedIn. <laughs> nice I love that uh, otherwise I you know I don't do Twitter my friends just influenced me to start up an Instagram but I don't know how long I want to stay with that it takes some time and uh, you know people looking for legal services but thanks by the Florida and they're in the United States you can go to unbundledlegalhelp.com unbundledlegalhelp and that's us the area of law you need help with and we'll get you connected up with someone that can help you out in an affordable way and attorneys that are listening to this, you, know, <laughs> you guys want to build access practice unbundledattorney.com so but, Do so uh, good. No, dude, that this sure to help it out.
1: Well, dude, we appreciate you coming out. It's been a ton of fun. Steve and I've been looking forward to this interview for a while just because of your passion, your excitement, and just at your heart, the willingness to give. And like I said, just being an entrepreneur in this space and and just lighting a lot of people up to want to build businesses that give back. And I know Steve and I have taken a lot away from how you've built businesses and how you look at the world and we're just duplicating underneath you, man. So we really appreciate everything you've done for us and inspiring a lot of people. So thank you for inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give bigger
0: with our profits. Heck yeah, well, I super respect you guys for running with these ideas, building community around them, educating with the platform of the podcast, with your community events, with the things you guys are doing in Victoria and throughout Canada, real estate endeavors. And you guys are also extremely inspiring. Uh, your leaders at a level that maybe even you guys don't even realize yet, but certainly anyone that's been affected by each of you would certainly agree wholeheartedly with that. I can't be more stoked to be supporting what you guys are doing and uh, continuing to be uh, closely involved with everything as it unfolds, and you know, building some great things as a result together. Hear Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We'll definitely be in touch. Thanks, Dave. Heck yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Cheers, bud. Thank you for
1: listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can, and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember... Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.